Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you today. We're excited that you are here. Uh, Rhonda and I have just uh, got back off a three-week mini sabbatical, and and we're just excited that you're here. And, And man... What a fantastic job all the other people, uh, speakers did while we were away. I listened to that. I hope you went online if you wasn't here to uh, listen to those messages. It was fantastic. Today we're talking about uh, the movie, the la- this is the last message in the series, and we're talking about The Fantastic Four. Now, The Fantastic Four is a movie about uh, four people coming together that have these sort of superpowers to defeat the enemy of the world and uh, to keep the world from being destroyed. And so today, the message of that whole we pulled out that we thought we could use was the title Unity. It's it's about coming together. And uh, today, would you agree with me today that our world is broken? Would you agree with that? I mean, I don't know. Man, I am tired of turning on the television saying, breaking news, someone else shot someone else, aren't you? I mean, aren't you tired of, like, uh, this week, of course, the, the, the movie theater. There was another shooting in a movie theater. I mean, like, man, isn't, it, isn't it sad where you just can't go and enjoy a movie without having the fear of that? I mean, there, if we're not careful, there can be this fear that will overtake you as to you're afraid to do anything or let your children do anything because of what might happen because of all the things that are going on in the world. And so I guess as we say this, that we have to look at our world and say, you know, it is broken. And what does God want us to do about it? And so just like these four guys that were in this movie, of course Hollywood created this, come together to fix a problem, to create the, uh, to defeat the enemy of the world, then God's called the church to come together. And that's why I got this statement on your outline. It simply says this, God works through unity to change a what? A community. Let's just read that statement together. You ready? Come on. God works through unity to to change a community. God works through unity to change a community. And so God is going to, God wants to change the world. You got to understand that God wants the world to be better. He wants our country to be better. He wants our community to be better. And so God wants us to do that. He wants it to be better. So he chooses to work through people like you and I to make it better. And so today I want to talk to you about that just a little bit uh, this morning. The, quite, the, the one thing that I have on the top of your outline is this, how we unite as God's family. How do we unite as God's family to make the world better, to make our community better, to make our lives better? And so I'd like to give you a couple of things today. This morning as I begin this talk, uh, you know, through this whole series, we went back into the Old Testament And we've taken out a a story that relates to our day and time. And the story that I want to tell you about today is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, when I tell you the story, many of you, your mind goes back to, you know, oh no, uh, because many pastors in the past have taken this passage 
and use it to beat people up that struggle with the sin of homosexuality. Well, that's not what I, my intention is to do today. It's not that at all. Uh, but as I tell you this story, the reason I share this story with you because it's a message of God to the church. And I want to start off talking about the guy by the name of Abraham. Abraham was a guy that uh, God had called to start like the Jewish nation. And so Abraham was this guy that God made all these promises to. God said, listen, Abraham, I'm going to give you so, I'm going to give you so many descendants that you're, when they think about your family, they're going to think it'd be easier to go to the beach and count the sand, the grains of sand than to count all of your descendants. Well, the only problem with that is this, is that God made that promise to Abraham, but yet here he is, 99 years old, he's never had a child. <laughs> Come on, God, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, God said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And Abraham, now he is 99 years old, and that's not happened at this point. So God comes and visits Abraham one more time. And we're going to pick up the story. It's on your outline. In Genesis 18, it says this. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what? And just notice that. He said, Abraham, I'm going to use you to remind your children, your descendants, what's right and just. And he goes on to say, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. What God was saying to Abraham was, I'm going to give you the power to pass on a blessing. Is that when you do what's right and just, and you pass that on to your children, to your grandchildren, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your classmates, when you pass on what God wants them to do, what you want me to do, then when you pass that on, then they're going to know how to be blessed. And so that's the promise. And again, God has just made the promise to Abraham, and he just affirmed that promise that he's going to give him a son. And sure enough, uh, we're not going to cover it now, but God did give Abraham a son. At 99, he had a son, and God's promise was fulfilled. So what I want to say before I go any further is this, is that when you feel like God gives you a promise, you hold on to that promise no matter how much time passes. Because if God said it, and he put it in your heart, God will do it. And you just cannot give up on that promise. You can't give up on that promise. So, so how do we unite as God's family? Look at this story. There's four things I want to share with you. And the first one is this. Would you write it down? The first thing that we do is we connect with God and his family. We connect with God and his family. God is so serious about a relationship with you in order for you to make it in this world, because you'll be part of its brokenness unless you're connected to God. That's why in the Ten Commandments, like number four is the commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It says this. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. What was he wanting us to do? God was saying, listen, the Sabbath day is for you, not for me. It's a day for you to physically rest so you can recover, mentally rest so you can recover, but it's also a time for you to refocus your mind and refocus your heart so that you can be refreshed. And listen, if you don't, if you don't refocus your mind and your heart on God, guess what? Then you're going to be caught up in all the bad stuff that's going on in the world, and you're going to be depressed. Do you know this? Listen, the number one prescription that's prescribed today is antidepressants. Do you know that? And listen, 
man, there, there's, a, there's a good big need for that in some people's life, but a lot of people it's not. If they would just simply learn to rest, then let their mind recoup and their body recoup, then they wouldn't be so stressed all the time and depressed all the time. And so the Bible, God says, I want you to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And here's another thing. What you do in your free time determines your character. What you do in your free time. When, you're, when, you're not, when you don't have to be at work doing this task and when you don't have to be doing this task, whatever you choose to do with your free time is determining your character. And God says, in your free time, that's why the Sabbath day is so important. It's because it's the day that you choose. You know, you could be doing all these other activities, but you're choosing to remember this day, keep it holy before God, and reflect on God, and re be refreshed by God, and remember that He's in control no matter what's going on in this world. And friend, if you have that hope today, then you can be encouraged by no matter what's going on. Amen? Amen. So if, if you know that God's in control, no matter with all the bad that's going on, it's encouraging to you. And so look what the Scripture says in Hebrews 10 in the New Testament. He said, let us not give up on the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, would you circle that word instead? Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord coming nearer. What he was saying is that, you know, as Many people would say, boy, I know we have to be close to the end of the time, end of times. All this stuff is happening. Well, as, as we begin to see that stuff and we begin to believe that stuff, then we should make us more, come together more. You see, how many of you have ever grilled out before? Let me see your hand. If you've ever grilled out before. All right, great. I'm not the master chef, okay? I'll just be honest with you. I'm not a master chef. And uh, I thank God that, that they come out with gas grills because... I never could get charcoal to do what it's supposed to do until they invented match light. Because I was the guy that would soak down the charcoal, you know, soak it down, soak it down, and then throw it, you know, as soon as the flame blazed up, and then I was like, bring on the meat, you know? And all the meat would taste like charcoal or lighter fluid or something, you know? It was gross. But what I did learn through that process is this, is that as long as charcoal is together, if it's together then guess what? It will burn and those embers will get hot and then you sort of spread them out a little bit. But if one piece of charcoal falls over here by itself, then it will never ever get to the temperature that it needs to be and it will never warm. The fire will go out. And I could just say this to you spiritually from experience. I've seen this happen over and over. I've watched many people who, who had hope in Almighty God, but yet they disconnected from God and disconnected from His family. And it's like they fell to the side over here and their fire went out and they went down a path that they wished they had not went down. So today I want you to remember to stay close to God and His family. And that's why connect groups in our church are so important. You know, our, our small group of people, they get together on a weekly basis to why? So that we can make sure that the fire doesn't go out. That's why Sunday's so important. Man, can you imagine living in this world without the hope of God and without being encouraged on a day like this that God's going to see you through no matter what's going on? Without that encouragement, it would be very difficult. And so remember that it's very important to stay connected. So on your connection card, by the way, it looks like this. On the back of it, I have a next step, and it simply says this. I will make church and connect group a priority. Would you make that a, would you just check that box and say, you know what, I want to make it a priority so that I can stay close to God and close to his family, that the fire inside of me doesn't go out. That takes me to the second thing I'd like to share with you today. 
and that is this. The second thing is that if we're going to unite as God's family, we have to grow in God's character. We have to grow in God's character. Now, what does that mean to grow in God's character? That means that we become more like God. The longer that you're a follower of Christ, the more you should reflect the nature of God. You should be becoming more like Jesus. That's the goal of God for your life. And so we go back into our story now. And so Abraham's been promised a son, but the only problem is this, is that Abraham has not had a son, but he has a nephew by the name of Lot that is like a son. I mean, he's like, he's moved with Abraham, Abraham, wherever he's traveled, Lot has went with Abraham. It's been fancy. Lot has been like his son. Lot's gotten in trouble, Abraham's went to rescue him, but Lot has made a, has made a decision, and that is that he wants to go live in this town called Sodom and Gomorrah. And he goes to live in that town, and it's, and it's like wickedness is everywhere. And so Abraham begins to pray for Lot. Look what happens here. The Bible says this in Genesis 18 and 20. It says, Then the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, their sin is so grievous. Man, just think about that word grievous. When God thinks about bad things that are happening to people and that people are doing to themselves, it grieves him. It's like when someone dies in your family and you're stricken with grief, like if you were to lose a child or a parent or a close friend, it just grieves you. That's the way God feels about sin. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I just saw something in the news this week and, or last week, and it just really grieves me. And that was, you know, um, we saw these videos of people talking about selling babies' body parts. I don't know if you, ever, if you saw any of that or not, but it was, it was like, you know, uh, 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 like Planned Parenthood or something that they was talking about these doctors that were performing abortions but selling babies' body parts. Like, I mean, like taking their heart out before they took them out of the wound, you know, or take them out of the wound halfway and take their kidneys out and their liver out, and they were selling, talking about selling those. Man, that kind of stuff just grieves the heart of God, and it grieves me, and it should grieve you as well. And so I want you to know that that's the kind of stuff that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. It just it wasn't sexual sins, and, and it was all kinds. It was same sex. It was like, you know, have sex with your neighbor. It was having sex with children. It was all kinds of stuff, and that stuff just grieved the heart of God. And so today as we talk about that, you know, I want you to notice what Abraham's response was. Let me finish that verse, and I'll go on. It says, their sin's so grievous that we will go down and see if what they have done is, is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. God's saying, this cry of sin, it's not what people are saying, it's just the, 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 like the innocent people that are being hurt, that grievousness is hitting my, hitting my heart. So Abraham does something. He knows that Lot's in that city, and he knows that God's going to do something drastic to that city to, because he can't stand it anymore, and Lot's in that city. So Abraham makes a decision, and that decision is that he begins to pray for Lot. Notice what, what he begins to say to God. Abraham says this. Then Abraham approached him and said, will, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Is that the question that's going through your mind today? It's like all this wickedness that's going on in our world uh, that's happening now. Isn't there, isn't there a thought in your mind, God, you're going to judge this, but God, are, are we the righteous people going to have to suffer too? And so Abraham's asking this question. He goes on to say this. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? 
And so Abraham's saying, God, I know that you will do right. And I know that you will not uh, judge the, the righteous with the wicked. I know that you won't do that. And so the message of Sodom and Gomorrah is this, is that God rescues. That's the message, that God rescues. Abraham, when he began to, when he began to, to pray, talk to God, he said, God, my, my nephew Lot and his whole family is down in, in, that, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, and everything that's against you is happening down there. And they're a part of it. But God, I know that you have the power to rescue Lot. I know you can touch Lot's wife and his children. I know, God, that you can do anything. And so his prayer become that. And I just want to speak to you a moment. I don't know where your family's at. I don't know what's going on with your parents. I don't know what's going on with your children. I don't know what's going on with your spouse. Maybe they're so far out uh, away from God, and, and maybe, the, maybe things are not right in your home, and, and maybe they're, they're doing things that aren't right in your eyes and in God's eyes, and, and you see them going down this, this path that's leading to destruction. The message that we get from Sodom and Gomorrah is this, is don't you ever give up praying. Never stop praying. Why? Because God rescues those that have relationships with the righteous. Why? Because we pray for them. There's three things that Christians do to grow in God's character. Here they are. Are you ready? The first thing that as a believer we do is we pray. We never ever stop praying. We ask God for his favor and to help us and to guide us. The second thing that believers do that are growing in God's character is that we read God's word. We read God's word. I meet too many people along the way that says, you know what, well, I'm not going to go to this church because I'm not being fed. I want to tell you something. That is the most immature thing that a person can say. Because if you can read, you can feed yourself. This morning, if you were to walk down this hallway, this corridor over here is our preschool hallway. We have a bunch of preschoolers. I guarantee you this morning when they got up, they didn't say, you know, I'm going to wait till my mommy or my daddy feeds me. They got up and said, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. Put me, if it's just macaroni and cheese, put it there. I can get it myself. I'm hungry. And in the church world, what do we do? People, you know, say, well, if, you know, if the pastor don't give it to me, then I'm not going to get it. I'd hate to know I had one meal a week, wouldn't you? I'd die. I'm telling you what. This, you know, I struggle with fasting anyways. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. You know, I like, help me to fast. But I get hungry, and I want to eat something. And so I would say this to you is that get in God's Word. And many people say, you know what, Pastor, I, man, you don't know the place I work. It's a hell hole. Well, why not get in God's Word and take some heaven into the hell hole? Just a thought. I don't know. You know, you know what I'm saying? Why not take some of God's Word there with you? You say, you don't know the family that I live in. You don't know what my home's like. No, I don't. But I'll tell you this, is that if you'll take God's Word into your home with you, it's amazing the wisdom that you will gain as to how to respond to those people that will change everything. It will change everything. And let me just say this one thing. I would challenge you to have a hard copy of God's Word. I know that, you know, you have it on your tablets, you have it on your computer, you have it on your phone. That's fantastic. But what if one day, what if we had, had the government said, you can no longer have God's Word? And they cut off the Internet access to it. Just what would happen? You know, would you, would you be absent of God's Word? And so I would encourage you to have a hard copy of God's Word in your home. And by the way, you know, I'm for the online, 
you know, we have a, an app at SEC that you can listen to uh, God's Word. If you don't want to read it, you can listen to it. So I would challenge you to download this app and on your way to work, you know, listen to God's Word. But have a hard copy at home. The Bible says this, Jesus said this, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, when you work on your input, I'll take care of the outcome. Did you hear that? When you work on what's going in your heart and in your mind, and my word, when it's going in your heart and in your mind, you put that inside of you, then I'll take care of the outcome. You put it in, and God says, I'll take care of the outcome. And then the third thing that Christians do is this, that are growing in God's character, is they give generously. And I put a couple passages of scriptures in your outline for you to look up because I knew that I'd be running behind at this point, so I wanted you to go ahead and have that, all right? You knew that to be true. So look at this. God, God works through unity to do what? To change a community. Let's say that together. You ready? God works through unity to change a community. That's what he does. And he wants to unite us. We are a community. We're a community of Christ. So a next step I have for you is this on the back of your connection card. It says, I will do my best to grow in my faith through prayer, reading the Bible, and being generous. Would you just take that challenge to do that? Why don't you put God's Word? Why don't you pray every day? Do your best to read God's Word and get God's Word inside of you because God's Word makes you wise and it makes you know how to answer, uh, have an answer in the day and time in which we live. Okay, the third thing is this. The third thing, I think, if we're going to unite as God's family is that we serve in God's church. We serve in God's church. And we go back into the story. Here we see that Lot is down in Sodom and Gomorrah. God is sending two angels down there. Abraham is praying for them. When the angels come to the gate, and here's what happened. Two angels arrive at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My Lord, he said, please turn aside. Please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go your way early in the morning. No, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But watch this. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate it. Now, what's the significance of this? Is that Lot did not know that they were angels. He just thought they were, you know, uh, dignified men, dignitaries coming into their community. And so he brought them into his home. But this is what I want you to know. When you serve in God's house, you never know who you're serving. This was angels of God that were sent there, and he had no idea that this was angels of God. Do you know that when, when, when people come into this church and you shake someone's hand, maybe you're rocking a baby in the nursery, maybe you're in kids' church up there and you're taking care of a child, or, or you're in a small group somewhere, or you're in the parking lot working, or you know, you're praying for someone... You never know who God is sending your way. I wonder at times if God actually sends angels in, sometimes to our church and other churches like it, just to see how they're going to be treated. You must always understand that God is prompting every person that comes here is being prompted to come or they would not be here. So we treat every person as they're sent here by Almighty God. And I want to encourage you to do that because you never know who you're serving. Now look at our memory verse, and here's what it is. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five, and I love the message paraphrase, it says this. 
The ones who bless who? The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are what? Are helped. So those who help others are helped. And I would encourage you today to get that mentality. I know our world is, it's all about me. No, it can't be all about you. And inside of our program, we have a little blue sheet here. It's called our ministry partner sheet. We'd love for you to get involved around here doing something. There's something that you can do to help others. Why? You may be entertaining angels. I can tell you what. I know you are because when these little kids come by us, there's just angels of God, isn't it? I mean, don't you just love our kids? Man, they're awesome. And so we want you to have the opportunity to serve in some way. So I want you to check that out. And so remember, we, we're not here in our community just to survive and get through this world. We're here to change our world. Did you hear that? God doesn't have us as a church here in our community just to say, well, we're going to be our own little group here, and we're just going to get out of the world, and we're just going to do our own thing here and let the world go to hell. No. We are here as a church to do good. We're not just saved to be good. We're saved to do good. Do you agree with that? God wants you to do good, and not just in this environment, but also outside of this environment, in our community. God wants you to do good. When you do that, he gets glory and honor, and he changes people's lives. God changes people's lives. I'd like to share with you the, the last thing, and that is, number four is this. How we unite is God's family, and that is we share God's message. We share God's message. We go back into the story. Now, here's where it gets a little tense. We go back into the story. Now, remember Lot, who is a guy that's gotten caught up in, a, in, in this world that he doesn't agree with, that Abraham doesn't agree with. He's got caught up in this community. This is very sinful. All kinds of sins are happening. I mean, you know, we've named them all before. It just everything's grotesque. Matter of fact, a lot of what's happening in America now was happening there. And so it's all happening. And Lot's caught up in it. Abraham's praying for him. God sends two angels down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and begins talking. Lot invites them to his home. Now they're in his home. Now look what happens here in the story. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city Sodom, of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Notice that. You see... When sin runs rampant, people believe that they can do whatever they want to, however they want to, with whomever they want to do it. Did you hear that? Why does God hate sexual perversion? The reason he hates that is because of this. It's because when sexual perversion runs wild, lawlessness follows. I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, last week I was listening to the news and uh, there was a lady that was working in her yard in Gwinnett County, just working in her yard. Then there was, all of a sudden there was a guy that come by and, and just raped her right there in her own yard. She's just working there. What? You say, Pastor Jeff, that's horrible. Yes, it's horrible. What brought that on? Lawlessness? You see, when sexual perversion runs wild, lawlessness follows. That's why God says you have to go by these things. It's protecting you and your family. That's why we can't be a society that says do whatever you want to, to whomever you want to, however you want to. Why? Because one of those people that someone's going to want to harm is going to be you or someone you love. And so it comes home to us, doesn't it? And so God says, I, I can't take that. So God 
again in this story of, of Abraham with Lot, God sends uh, the angels down to rescue Lot. Now look what happens here. In Genesis 19, it says this. The angels told Lot, get your family together and get out. But Lot hesitated. When he, when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hand of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. This is what I want to say. Is that we are called as a church to rescue those out. We are the hands and the feet of Almighty God. And the people in our families, the people in our community, the people that are our friends, our co-workers, our classmates, those people that are hurting are hesitant because all they know is what they know. But God has called us to be the church, to be the light, to take their hand and lead them out. And that with this good news, by, with this love of God, no matter what their life is like. Listen, I don't know about you, but in, as a matter of fact, there was a line in this movie, The Fantastic Four, that said this. It said, you know what? This enemy is stronger than any of us, but this enemy is not stronger than all of us. And I want to tell you, the enemy of the world, the devil, the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world, it's stronger than one of us. But it's not stronger than all of us. That's why Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That, that no matter how bad it gets, because the followers of Christ, the people that are connected together, no matter who you are, if you're part of God's body and you're connected to God's family, then, then there's no evil force that will be stronger than you. And there's nothing stronger than your prayers. That's why, listen, we cannot stop praying for our children we can't stop praying for our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, our family members. Why? Because they may be in, in a place like Sodom and Gomorrah that's so wicked and it may look like that there's no hope for them that they've turned their back on God and they've turned their back on their family. They've turned their back on everybody. And listen, we can't give up because the message is this, is that no matter how bad it is there and no matter how bad it is with them, that there's a God in heaven. If we pray, God will go as far as ascending angels into that location and pull those people out. That is our hope, amen? Come on, give God a hand. That is our hope, no matter how bad it is. And today, listen, when you turn on the news and, and listen, you that have young children, I know it has to be horrifying to think about raising a child in this culture and it scares you to death. I'm telling you what you do is you pray a hedge around that child. You say, God, I'm this is the child that you've given me to raise. But God, I can't be with them 24 hours a day, every day of their life. I have to go to work and they have to go to daycare or they have to go to school. But you begin to pray, God, I know that you will put angels around them. I'm asking you to protect them, to guide them. I'm asking you that any evil that may come their way, that you shelter them. And I'm telling you, listen, what you cannot see is the angels of God that go to work around your children. There's times that your child should have been harmed, but God was there. Why? Because you pray. Amen? You pray. Don't wait on a pastor to pray. Don't, don't wait on somebody else to pray. You say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. You say, God, help my child. God, take care of my child. Protect my child. That's how you pray. Don't, you, don't worry about these and thou's and all that stuff. Listen, God gets tired of that junk anyways, right? He wants the heart to speak. And man, we're going we're gonna to pray. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to give people a hand. And listen, I'm just saying what we're going to do to change it and, and seeing how that... You know, what's come out, and 
Do you know that a child has a heartbeat after uh, 18 to 20 days in a womb? A child has a heartbeat. There's a lot of pressure on young people now that if they make a mistake and they get pregnant and they're not married, you know, to just abort a child because that's the, they think that's the only option. And let me just say this to you. If, you. if you've been down that road and, and you have had an abortion, I want you to know that God loves you, we love you, God forgives you, and, and we, want, you know, we want you to know that, that we're here to embrace you. But what I want to say this is that if there is that child, if there is that parent or child that going down that road, we want to give them another option. That's why we're going to partner together to give them a handout. We're going to partner with the Crisis Pregnancy Resource Center here that they can have a way and they can know everything about uh, their decision and they can know that there's somebody that will love that child even if they can't take care of it. Why? Because we want to help that person out. We don't want to have to live. We don't want them to have to live with the memory and, and the sadness of all that's going on. We want them to know that there's another way. And that's why we believe in our kids. Oh, listen to me. If there's the heartbeat of God is children. And children have to know there's hope. They have to. Listen, they go on the internet and they see hopelessness. Many of them go into homes who are raised by parents that look like they got it all together, but all they hear is screaming and fighting and arguing and, and, and they're, they're crushed on the inside. You see, many of them go home and they don't have a dad. You know that there's more single people now in America than there's, than there's married people? They don't have a dad. They're hurting. And we have an opportunity. You know what we have an opportunity to do? Right now, windows are open for us to go in and do a good news club. And what is that? That means that we get to go in once a week to the elementary school at Woodland over here. And we have an opportunity. You know what the opportunity is? Is to say all the, all the kids that want to can come if their parents will let them come in. And we get to tell them that there's more to life than just what they see. That there's Jesus Christ who loves them and cares for them. And that He can help them out. And they can pray to Him and talk to Him when they feel threatened, threatened and afraid. And when they see things that they, they know is not right and their little heart says no, they can call to Jesus. And instead of them getting a gun and shooting themselves, instead of them taking pills, that they can run to Him and they can hold to Christ and believe and watch what God rescue their life. That's why the Good News Club is so important. And you can have the opportunity today. There's going to be people right out here. You can sign up if you want to help in some way. If you want to donate food or, or cookies or snacks or something. Or you want to go be a part of that, you can do it. Another thing that we've done is this. Is that we've partnered with the middle school. Uh, we have two of the counselors that are here today. They're going to be standing at the table. Miss Haven and Miss Hill. Wonderful people. We said, you know what? It's at middle school when people lose their mind, isn't it? I mean, come on, seriously. If you've had children. You know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, like they're sweet little Johnny and, you know, sweet little Sally. They're so sweet. Then they go to middle school and you're like, what happened? They can, their brain starts, you know, firing off and all the hormones start working. And listen, as parents, you're trying to guide them. But wouldn't it be great if you had someone that had a good character and a good reputation? They're also an adult that's helping guide your child. Wouldn't you love that? We have an opportunity. Last year, our church sent 14 counselors, our mentors, over to the middle school. Each one of them, most of those, had three students. So we were able to mentor over 100 students to make a difference in a children's lives. What is a mentor? 
Is that someone that has got to know all about the Bible and they got to know all this psychology? No! Good grief, it was that. I couldn't go. A mentor is this. A mentor is the person who sits down at a table and listens to a child. That's it. For, 30, for 25 minutes, you just have a conversation. Or you play a game called Connect Four. Or you play Uno. Or you just, you're just giving them an adult interaction. And they will tell you whatever they want you to know. You don't have to worry about trying to get something out of them. Man, it's, it's the most rewarding thing. Do you know I became a mentor to one particular student six years ago? And Friday night, Rhonda and I went down to the Henry, Cam Henry County Performing Arts Center and watched this young man graduate high school. And he looked at me and said, I thank God I had a mentor in my life. I didn't have a daddy, but I had a mentor. Let me tell you something. You do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Why not do it? Why not take one hour? If you can give us one hour a week at lunchtime, just one hour or 30 minutes, whatever you can do, if you just give us that time, you can change a life. Remember that God's called us. To, we're in this culture. We're to grab people by the hand, and we're to lead them out. We're to do all that we can do, and we'll be a church that does that. Everybody else can say, we're going to pull in our little bubble, and we're going to let the world go to hell. Not us. We're going to reach out, and we're going to reach our children, and we're going to reach our teenagers. We're going to say, we want to do all that we can do to help you to know the values and the character of Almighty God, and everybody's not bad, and everybody's not out to hurt you, but there's some good people in the world, and we want to help you. Amen? Amen. We'll keep reaching. We need your help. Remember, it's through unity that God chooses to change a community. You're put on this earth to make a difference. If today's the last day that you had to live, how would you stand before God when you see all this stuff going on? Would you say, God, I did my very best to help? Or would you say, God, I just stood by because I didn't know what to do? If you come to SEC, we're going to help you know what to do. We're going to partner with the battered women's shelter, the Haven House. There should not be a woman that has to live in a home getting her brains beat out. There should not be children that have to watch that. And so we're going to partner with these agencies to help people have a way out. We're not just we're talking about giving a people a hand out. We want to give them a hand up. And we're the church that makes the difference. We're going to feed the hungry through the food pantry, helping his name food pantry. We're going to feed the hungry. That's what God's called us to do. We're going to increase the size of our church. Why? So that we can get more people in here to, to send more people out to do good. And when the good people stand up and the pe good people start doing good, guess what? Bad people start getting less and bad people start moving out. We're going to save our community. Listen, we're not going anywhere. We're here to stay. We're here to say, you know what? You're, the bad people are not running us off. When the good people stay and the good people stand, then the bad people have to go. And that's what we want to be. Would you stand with me now? I probably told you more than you want to know. I know I'm preaching hard and my head's sweating. Today is the day that we make a decision. And listen, if you're not a Christ follower today, I want to challenge you before you leave. You just say, God, come into my life and save me. And I can live the life you've called me to. And all I ask you to do is check it on the back of that box. I want to say this prayer with you. And when I say this prayer, we're going to sing a song that just sort of summarizes everything we've talked about. And I want to ask you to sing it out. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, thank you for your 
your love for us and your love for our children, your love for our nation, God, your love for the world. And we ask you, God, to help us be your hands and your feet, that you would change our hearts, you would change our lives, and you would, Lord, let us quit being bystanders and get involved, and, and Lord, make a difference in the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdawes at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.